Hello, everybody. It's May 31st, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, and once again, I'm happy to serve as your tour guide as we progressively read through the scriptures with daily portions from the Old and New Testaments, as well as the book of Psalms and Proverbs. We are currently in the 10th book of the Old Testament, the book of 2 Samuel, learning of the trials and temptations faced by Israel's King David. And then in the New Testament, we will be reading of the ultimate trial and the saving act of our Savior, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Messiah. So we're going to pick up our reading in chapter 17, verse 1. 2 Samuel, chapter 17, verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose twelve thousand men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged, and throw him into a panic, and all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace." And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Then Absalom said, Call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he has to say. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Thus has Ahithophel spoken. Shall we do as he says? If not, you speak. Then Hushai said to Absalom, This time the counsel that Ahithophel has given is not good. Hushai said, You know that your father and his men are mighty men, and that they are enraged like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Besides, your father is expert in war. He will not spend the night with the people. Behold, even now he has hidden himself in one of the pits or in some other place. And as soon as some of the people fall at the first attack, whoever hears it will say, There has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. Then even the valiant men, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will utterly melt with fear. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and that those who are with him are valiant men. But my counsel is that all Israel be gathered to you, from Dan to Beersheba, as the sand by the sea for multitude, and that you go to battle in person. So we shall come upon him in some place where he is to be found, And we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground, and of him and all the men with him not one will be left. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city, and we shall drag it into the valley until not even a pebble is to be found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the Archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. So the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, Thus and so did Ahithophel counsel Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so have I counseled. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, Do not stay tonight at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means pass over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz were waiting at Enrogel. A female servant was to go and tell them, and they were to go and tell King David, for they were not to be seen entering the city. But a young man saw them, and told Absalom. So both of them went away quickly, and came to the house of a man at Bahurim, who had a well 
in his courtyard. And they went down into it. And the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and scattered grain on it, and nothing was known of it. When Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where is Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They have gone over the brook of water. And when they sought and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. After they were gone, the men came up out of the well and went and told King David. They said to David, Arise and go quickly over the water, for thus and so has Ahithophel counseled against you. Then David arose and all the people who were with him, and they crossed the Jordan. By daybreak not one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city. He set his house in order and hanged himself, and he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. Then David came to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel. Now Absalom had set Amasa over the army instead of Joab. Amasa was the son of a man named Ithra the Ishmaelite, who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. And Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. When David came to Mahanaim, Shobai, the son of Nahash, from Rabbah, of the Ammonites, and Machir, the son of Amiel, of Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite, from Rogalim, brought beds, basins, and earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, and lentils, honey, and curds, and sheep, and cheese from the herd, for David and the people with him to eat. For they said, The people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament book of Second Samuel. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. Ahithophel gives his counsel to Absalom. He advises Absalom to pursue David with 12,000 men and attack him immediately while David is weary and weak. Absalom thinks it is good counsel, but then asks Hushai the archite what he thinks. The Lord has determined to use Hushai to distract Absalom from taking the better counsel of Ahithophel. Hushai's advice appealed to Absalom's vanity. He advises Absalom to wait until he can gather all Israel and mount a spectacular effort to strike down David and his men. Absalom is pleased with this and rejects the plan of Ahithophel. Then Hushai tells the priests, Abiathar and Zadok, to tell David of Absalom's plan. He warns him to escape by crossing over the Jordan. A young man becomes aware of two informers, Jonathan and Ahimaaz, and a servant girl at Enrogel, who were carrying out a plan to bring this message to David, and he reports this to Absalom. The two men escape and go to a home in Bahorim, where a man hides them in a well in his courtyard. When Ahithophel finds out that his advice had not been followed, he saddles his donkey, heads home, puts his affairs in order, and then hangs himself. 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23. This is one of seven suicides recorded in the Bible. First, there's Abimelech in Judges chapter 9, verse 52. Secondly, there's Samson in Judges chapter 16, verse 30. Then there is Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 31, verse 4. Then Saul's armor-bearer in 1 Samuel chapter 31, verse 5. Then here Ahithophel in 2 Samuel 17, verse 23. Then Zimri 
in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 18, and finally Judas in Matthew chapter 27, verse 5. Taking one's own life, even when one is swallowed up in despair, is a regrettable action that causes more problems than it solves. It is so important that when people are faced with depression, that they reach out to others and receive the help that they need. It is also important that we remain alert to ways that we can help those who are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Absalom appoints Amasa over his army, and they camp in Gilead. David is in Mahanim and receives abundant provisions, food, bedding, and utensils from Shobai, Machir, and Barzillai, the wealthy man who is mentioned ten times in the Bible and is best known for his loyal service to David. Barzillai wanted to serve God's purposes every day of his life. He might have been too old to fight for David, but he did what he could to provide for him. Later in this book, we will read this summary statement of this big-hearted man. In 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 32, Now Barzillai was a very aged man, eighty years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim, for which he was a very rich man. We see in Barzillai that it is more blessed to give than to receive. He was a giving, generous man, for which he was a very rich man. Now let's go to the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 23 to 42. John, chapter 19, verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate, that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again another scripture says, 
they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about seventy-five pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. And this is the end of our reading of the New Testament portion from the Gospel according to John. The events that take place while Jesus is suffering his last hours on the cross are prophesied in Psalm 22. The soldiers gamble for his seamless robe. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Psalm 22, verse 18. John and Jesus' mother, Mary, approach the cross. Jesus commits the care of his mother not to his half-brothers, but to John. She is part of this forever family now. She needs to be with the apostle, to be in on the action to come. He does not want her to miss Pentecost. His death is making it possible for all believers to be adopted into his family. To Mary, he says, Woman, behold your son. And to John, he says, Behold your mother. Treat each other as family. From that time on, John took Mary into his own home. Church tradition tells us that Mary would follow John to Ephesus in later years when John pastored in that city. In the first three hours, Jesus is experiencing the wrath of men. In the last three hours, he is bearing the wrath of God against sin. He is experiencing the punishment our sins deserve. In Jesus' parable of Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man in the torments of hell begs for just a drop of water to cool his tongue. Luke 16, verse 24. Jesus experiences that kind of torment when he cries, I thirst, in John chapter 19, verse 28. The soldiers lift a sponge on a stalk of hyssop to lift it to Jesus' lips. Just before commending his spirit to God the Father, he declares, It is finished. The Greek word tetelestai, translated, It is finished, it is a completion, is a word that is stamped on an invoice when payment was made complete. Tetelestai means, literally, paid in full. The invoice would be folded over and called a double. On the outside of the folded invoice, the word tetelestai would be stamped. This understanding of double also might help us understand Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Perhaps this understanding of double might infer complete payment made in full. The day of preparation had come to an end, and the next day would be a special Sabbath. This meant that no dead bodies could be left on the cross. To expedite the deaths by crucifixion, the soldiers were to break the legs of the victims, which would cause them to quickly suffocate. When they came to Jesus, 
They realized that he was already dead. They did not need to break his bones. They pierced his side, bringing a sudden flow of water and blood. This indicated a pierced pericardium. This also fulfilled the prophecy of Psalm 34, verse 20. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Or in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, they will look on me whom they pierced. Joseph of Arimathea, a secret disciple, asks Pilate for the body. With Pilate's permission, he took the body away, accompanied by another secret disciple, Nicodemus. They buried Jesus' body, wrapping him in linen with 75 pounds of spices, a mixture of myrrh and aloes. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Because it was nearby, they put Jesus' tomb in this wealthy man's garden tomb. This also fulfilled prophecy. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich man at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Psalms. We are in the next section of eight verses, all beginning with the same Hebrew letter, Pei. Psalm 119, verse 129. For today's reading, we are using a previous recording of our dear friend David Orvash, who is now with the Lord and Savior in whom he put his trust for his salvation. I know that when I read Psalm 119, I ask myself if my love for the revealed will of God in Scripture matches that which is expressed in this psalm. Let's consider this as we listen. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. With my whole heart I cry, Answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before the dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord. According to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law, but you are near, O Lord. All your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Thank you, David. 
I write as an inscription on the front of my Bible, Psalm 119, verse 130, The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Another way of translating simple would be those who make room for it. The psalmist describes his hunger and thirst for the word of God, exceeding his own natural appetites. He recognizes that God gives the power to walk in the word. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Psalm 119, verse 133. The psalmist has a teachable spirit. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. Verse 135. In this psalm you will notice that the psalmist contrasts the receptivity of those who are in the right with God through faith in his promise and those who are not. The fact that the lost have no interest, respect, or hunger for God's word is a source of grief to him. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Psalm 119, verse 136. In the next section of eight verses, he laments that his enemies ignore God's word. In Psalm 119, verse 139, My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. In the following section of eight verses, he describes the habits of the wicked. They draw near to those who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. Psalm 119, verse 150. He says that God's laws are right, righteous, forever right, trustworthy, thoroughly tested, everlasting, and true. He then describes his attitude towards the word. He has zeal for the word. They are his delight. In desperation, he turns to the word for understanding. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. Psalm 119, verse 147. He calls out with all his heart to be saved, to receive help, and he asks God to preserve his life. Here's another description of his habit for daily meditation. My eyes are awake through night watches, that I may meditate on your word. Psalm 119, verse 148. Now let's go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 12 to 13. It is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Leadership is a high calling and spirit-controlled speech is necessary for good leadership. They are the delight of kings and a delight to the king of kings. Let's give thanks for what we have read today and go before the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, thank you for the ministry of your word. May the truth of Jesus' perfect submission, perfect obedience, and perfect work of redemption on our behalf anchor us in what is a disposition of thankfulness. All that he did was to bring glory to you. Father, keep us from being distracted by alternate plans that appeal to our vanity. Holy Spirit, help us. Keep us occupied with Jesus. We want only to be found in Christ, with no pretense of having any righteousness in ourselves to boast of. Lord Jesus, we revel in the good news that our sin debt has been paid in full and that we have the receipt in hand. Your tomb is empty and our hearts are full. Thank you. In Jesus' name, Father, amen. Well, it is a special joy to be able to cross the seas and cross the miles and be able to share this time together through the Internet. We're able to broadcast this and be with brothers and sisters around the world in our Bible reading community. 
and we hope that you'll be with us tomorrow as we continue our expedition. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, or you'd like to subscribe to a daily email where you get a written copy of our meditation on the one-year Bible portion of the day, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be filling you with his love and awareness of his presence.